The Man on the Curb by Alfred Sutro. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Five Little Plays by Alfred Sutro. The Man on the Curb. The Persons of the Play. Joe, read by M. B. Mary, his wife, and narrator, read by Elizabeth Clett. Time, the present. Scene, their home in the West End. An underground room, bare of any furniture except two or three broken chairs, a tattered mattress on the stone floor, and an old trunk. On a packing chest are a few pots and pans and a kettle. A few sacks are spread over the floor, close to the empty grate. The walls are discoloured, with plentiful signs of damp oozing through. Close to the door at back is a window, looking on to the area. Two of the panes are broken and stuffed with paper. On the mattress a child is sleeping, covered with a tattered old mantle. Mary is bending over her, crooning a song. The woman is still quite young, and must have been very pretty, but her cheeks are hollow and there are great circles round her eyes. Her face is very pale and bloodless. Her dress is painfully worn and shabby, but displays pathetic attempts at neatness. The only light in the room comes from the street lamp on the pavement above. Joe comes down the area steps and enters. His clothes are of the familiar colorless, shapeless kind one sees at street corners. He would be a pleasant-looking young fellow enough were it not that his face is abnormally lined and pinched and weather-beaten. He shambles in, with the intense weariness of a man who has for hours been forcing benumbed limbs to move. He shakes himself on the threshold, dog-fashion, to get rid of the rain. Mary first makes sure that the child is asleep, then rises eagerly and goes to him. Her face falls as she notes his air of dejection. "'Nothing, Joe?' "'Nothing.' Not a farthing. <laughs> Nothing. Mary turns away and checks a moan. Nothing at all. <laughs> Same as yesterday. Worse than yesterday. I, I did bring home a few coppers. And you? A lady gave Minnie some food. Oh, bless her for that. Took her into the pastry cook's, Joe. And the kitty had a tuck out. Oh, thank God. And you? Minnie managed to hide a great big bun for me. The lady didn't give you anything. Only a lecture, Joe, for bringing the child out on so bitter a day. Joe, as he sits on the chair. <laughs> Always so ready with their lectures, aren't they? Shouldn't beg, my man. Never give to beggars in the street. <laughs> Look at me, I said to one of them. Feel my arm. Tap my chest. I tell you, I'm starving, and they're starving at home. Never give to beggars in the street. Mary, laying a hand on his arm. Oh, Joe, you're wet. Oh, it's been raining hard the last three hours. Pouring. My stars, it's cold. Couldn't we raise a bit of fire, Mary? With what, Joe? Joe, after a look round, suddenly getting up, seizing a rickety chair by the wall, breaking off the legs. With this! Wonderful fine furniture they give you on the hire system. So solid and substantial, as advertised. He breaks the flimsy thing up as he speaks. And to think we paid for this muck. In the days we were human beings. 
paid about three times its value and to think of the poor devils poor devils like us who sweated their life-blood out to make it and of the blood-sucking devils who sold it and got fat on it and now back it goes to the devil it came from and we can at least get warm for a minute he crams the wood into the grate got any paper mary mary taking an old newspaper from the trunk here joe that'll help to build up a fire he glances at it then lays it carefully underneath the wood mary gets lamp from table the daily something or other that tells the world what a happy people we are how proud of belonging to an empire on which the sun never sets and i'd sell gibraltar to-night for a sausage with mashed potatoes and let russia take india someone would give me a clerkship at a pound a week there in you go a match mary mary standing above joe handing him one. Oh, joe be careful we've only two left i'll be careful wait, wait though i'll see whether there's a bit of tobacco still in my pipe he fishes the pipe out of his pocket a policeman who warned me away from the curb gave me some tobacco mustn't beg he said got a pipe well here's some tobacco i believe he'd have given me money but it was the first kind word i'd heard all day and it choked me oh, there's just a bit left at the bottom he bustles now first the fire he puts the match to the paper it kindles and then my pipe the fire burns up he throws himself in front of it oh i'm sizzling i got so wet that i felt the water running into my lungs my feet didn't seem to belong to me and as for my head and nose oh, well smoke's good by the powers i'm getting warm come closer to it mary it's a little after midnight now and i left home this fine luxurious british home just as soon as it was light and i've tramped the streets all day and that result a policeman gave me a pipeful of tobacco i i lunched off a bit of bread that i saw floating down the gutter and i dined off the kitchen smell of the cafe royal that's my day mary stroking his hand poor boy poor boy i stood for an hour in leicester square when the theatre's empty thinking i might earn a copper calling a cab or something there they were all streaming out happy and clean and warm brooms and motor-cars supper at the savoy and the carlton and a hundred or two of us others in the gutter hungry looking at them they went off to their supper it was pouring and i got soaked and there i stood dodging the policemen dodging the horses heads and the motors and it was always get away you loafer get away get away get away we've done nothing to deserve it joe deserve it what have i ever done wrong wasn't my fault the firm went bankrupt and i couldn't get another job i've a first-rate character i'm respectable what's the use i want to work they won't let me that illness of mine ate up all our savings oh joe i wish i had died and left me alone that's not kind of you mary how about mrs willis is she worrying about the rent well she'd like to have it of course they're so dreadfully poor themselves but she says she won't turn us out and i'm going to-morrow to her daughter's upstairs she makes matchboxes you know 
and I don't see why I shouldn't try. I could earn nearly a shilling a day. Ha! A shilling a day! Princely! His pipe goes out. He takes a last puff at it, squints into it to make sure all the tobacco is gone, then lays it down with a sigh. I reckon I'll try making em too. I went to the vestry again this morning to see whether they'd take me as a sweeper, but they've thirty names down ahead of me. I tried chopping wood, but I can't. I begin to cough the third stroke. There's something wrong with me inside somewhere. I've tried every institution on God's earth, and there are others before me, and there's no vacancy, and I mustn't beg, and I mustn't worry the gentleman. A shilling a day. Can one earn as much as that? Why, Mary, that'll be fourteen shillings a week. An income. We'll do it. It's not quite a shilling, Joe. You have to find your own paste and odds and ends. And, of course, it takes a few weeks to learn before you begin to make any money. Does it, though? And what are we going to do those few weeks? I thought there was a catch in it somewhere. He gets up and stretches himself. Well, here's a free-born Englishman, able to conduct correspondence in three languages, bookkeeping by double entry, twelve years' experience, and all he's allowed to do is starve. He stretches himself again. But in spite of all temptations to belong to other nations, God! I wish I were a Zulu. Joe. Well? Joe. Joe, we've tried very hard, haven't we? Tried? Is there a job in this world we'd refuse? Is there anything we'd turn up our nose at? Is there any chance we've neglected? Mary, stealing nervously to him and laying a hand on his arm. Joe. Joe, raising his head and looking at her. Yes? What is it? She stands timidly with downcast eyes. Well, out with it, Mary. It's this, Joe. She goes feverishly to the mattress, and from underneath it she pulls out a big, fat purse, which she hands him. A purse? Yes. You? Found it. Found? In a way, I did. Yes. How? It came on to rain, Joe, and I went into a tube station, and was standing by a bookstall showing Minnie the illustrated papers, and an old lady bought one, and she took out a purse, this purse, and paid for it, and laid the purse on the board while she fumbled to pick up her skirts, and then someone spoke to her, a friend, I suppose, and there were lots of people standing about. I don't know how it was. I was out in the street with Minnie. You had the purse? Yes. No one followed you? No one. I couldn't run as I had to carry Minnie. What made you do it? I don't know. Something in me did it. She put the purse down just by the side of my hand. My fingers clutched it before I knew, and I was out in the street. How much is there in it? I haven't looked, Joe. You haven't looked? No. I didn't dare. I didn't think we'd come to this, Mary. We've got to do something. Before we can earn any money at making matchboxes, we'll have to spend some weeks learning. And you've not had a decent meal for a month, nor have I. If there's money inside this purse, you can get some clothes. And for me, too. I need them. It's not as though the old lady would miss it. She's rich enough. Her cloak was real sable. And no one can find us out. They can't tell one piece of money from the other. 
It's heavy, Joe. I think there's a lot inside. Joe, weighing it mechanically. Yes, it's heavy. Open it, Joe. Why didn't you? I just thought I'd wait. I'd an idea something might have happened, that someone might have stopped you in the street, someone with a heart, and that he'd come in with you tonight and seen us, seen Minnie, and said, Well, here's money. I'll put you on your legs again. And then we'd have given the purse back, Joe. Joe, as he still mechanically balances it with his hand. Yes. Can't go on like this, can we? You'll cough all night again as you did yesterday. And the stuff they gave you at the dispensary's no good. If you had clothes, you might get some sort of job, perhaps. You know you had to give up trying because you were so shabby. They laugh at me. Mary, with a glance at herself. And I'm really ashamed to walk through the streets. I know. Though I'm getting used to it. Besides, there's the kitty. Let's have a look at her. Be careful you don't wake her, Joe. There's a fire. She'll be hungry. You said that she had some food. That was at three o'clock. And little things aren't like us. They want their regular meals. Night after night she's been hungry, and I've had nothing to give her. That's why I took the purse. Joe, still holding it mechanically and staring at it. Yes. And... After all, why not? We can get the poor little thing some warm clothes, some good food. A thief's daughter. Covers his face with his hands. Joe! Not nice, is it? Can't be helped, of course. And who cares? For three months this game has gone on. We getting shabbier, wretcheder, hungrier. No one bothers. All they say is, keep off the pavement. Let's see what's in the purse. Yes, yes. Joe, lifting his head as he is on the point of opening the purse. That's the policeman passing. Never mind that. First time in my life I've been afraid when I heard the policeman. He has his finger on the catch of the purse when he pauses for a moment, then, acting on a sudden impulse, makes a dart for the door, opens it, and is out and up the area steps. Joe! She flings herself on the mattress and sobs silently, so as not to awaken the child. Joe returns, hanging his head, dragging one foot before the other. Why did you do that? I don't know. You gave it to the policeman? Yes. What did you tell him? That you had found it. Where? In a tube station. Picked it up because we were starving, that we hadn't opened it, and that we lived here, in this cellar. I expect he'll keep it himself. Perhaps. There is silence for a moment. She has ceased to cry. Suddenly she raises herself violently on her elbow. You fool! You fool! Mary! With your stupid ideas of honesty! What have they done for you? Or me? It's the kitty, you know. Her being a thief's daughter. Is that worse than being the daughter of a pair of miserable beggars? I suppose it is, somehow. You'd rather she went hungry? I don't know how it was. Hearing his tramp up there... You were afraid? I don't want you taken to prison. I'll be taken to the graveyard soon, in a pauper's coffin. Suppose we did that? The workhouse. Why not? After all, 
that's what it'll come to sooner or later they'd separate us well at least you and the kitty'd have food they'd separate us and i love you joe my poor poor joe i love you she nestles up to him and takes his hand joe holding her hand in his and bending over her you forgive me for returning the purse mary dropping her head on his shoulder forgive you you were right it was the cold and the hunger maddened me you were right joe springing to his feet with sudden passion mary staggers back i wasn't right i was a coward a criminal a vile and wicked fool joe i had money there money in my hand money that you need so badly you the woman i love with all my ragged soul money that would have put food into the body of my little girl money that was mine that belonged to me and i've given it back because of my rotten honesty what right have i to be honest they've made a dog of me what business had i to remember i was a man mary following him and laying a hand on his arm hush joe you'll wake minnie joe turning and staring haggardly at her i could have got clothes a job perhaps we might have left this cellar we could have gone out to-morrow and bought things gone into shops we might have had food coal don't joe what's the use and who knows it may prove a blessing to us you told the policeman where we lived a blessing i'll get up to-morrow after having coughed out my lungs all night and i'll go into the streets and walk there from left to right and from right to left standing at this corner and that peering into men's faces watching people go to their shops and their offices people who are warm and comfortable and so it'll go on till the end comes why not now joe the end there's no room for us in this world if i'd taken that money it's too late for that now and i'm glad you didn't yes i am i'm glad we'll go before god clean-handed and we'll say to him we didn't steal or do anything he didn't want us to and we'll tell him we've died because people wouldn't allow us to live no we'll wait mary don't speak of that you thought of it too thought of it don't mary don't it's bad enough in the night when i lie there and think of tomorrow something will happen it must what we haven't a friend in the world I, I may meet someone i used to know you've met them before they always refuse i've done nothing wrong i haven't drunk or gambled i can't help being only a clerk and unable to do heavy work i can't help my lungs being weak i've a wife and child like other people and all we ask is to be allowed to live let's give it up joe go away together you'd sleep without coughing sleep that's all and god will be kinder than men oh don't mary don't joe i can't stand it any longer i can't not only myself but minnie oh, joe it's too much for me 
I can't stand Minnie crying and asking me for her breakfast as she will in the morning. Oh, Joe, dear Joe, let there be no morning. Oh, Mary, Mary. It's not your fault, dear. You've done what you could. Not your fault they won't let you work. You've tried hard enough. And no woman ever had a better husband than you've been to me. I love you, dear Joe. And let's do it. Let's make an end. And take Minnie with us. Mary, I'll steal something tomorrow. And they'd send you to prison. Besides, then God would be angry. Now we can go to him and need not be ashamed. Let us, dear Joe. Oh, do let us. I'm so tired. No. You won't? No. We'll go to the workhouse. You've seen them in there, haven't you? Yes. You've seen them standing at the window, staring at the world. And they take you away from me. Well, that's better than... I won't do it, Joe. I've been a good wife to you. I've been a good mother. And I love you. Though I'm ragged and have pawned all my clothes. And I'll strangle myself rather than go to the workhouse and be shut away from you. No! I'll make them give me something. And if I have to kill, it, sh it shan't be my wife and child. Tomorrow I'll come home with food and money. Tomorrow... There is a sudden wail from the child. Joe stops and stares at her. Mary goes quickly to the mattress and soothes the little girl. Hush, dear, hush. No, it's not morning yet, not time for breakfast. Go to sleep again, dear. Yes, Daddy's come back and things are going to be all right now. No, dear, you can't be hungry, really. Remember those beautiful cakes. Go to sleep, Minnie, dear. You're cold? She takes off her ragged shawl and wraps it round the child. There, dear. You won't be cold now. Go to sleep, Minnie. The child's wail dies away as Mary soothes her back to sleep. Joe, staggering forward with a sudden cry. God! Oh, God, give us bread! The curtain slowly falls. End of The Man on the Curb by Alfred Sutro